that you were born to die. You were born to die for each and every one of us in this house today, for the world. Well, that's what you came to do. That's your mission. It would seem like a mission impossible. And for us, it was impossible. But for you, Lord Jesus, all things are possible. And God, we just give you praise and we give you great glory for all that you've done and all that you're doing. We thank you, Lord, for this time of year. We can reflect upon the birth of the only Savior that there is, Jesus. And God, we just praise you for our time together this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of God. We thank you, God, for you, for Jesus, for sending your only begotten Son to die for us. Hopeless and helpless, we were, we were, we are. We cannot, could not ever save ourselves. But Jesus, you reached down from heaven and sent your only son to this earth to take on all my sins, all of our sins, every sin from the past, present, future. And Lord, you took it on your body and you hung on the cross. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and we celebrate Christmas and the virgin birth. We thank you, Lord, that you would take this word and embed it in our hearts. Help us to hear your voice this morning, Lord Jesus. Touch my heart, touch the heart of every person here this morning, God. Help us to be diligent and well-doing, Father, as we go out here. Proclaim the gospel. Help us to proclaim the gospel everywhere we go, through our conversations, through our conduct, and through our character. And so, God, we just give you praise this morning. We thank you, Lord, for this time we give us, a precious time. Use it for your glory. We praise you. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Go ahead and have a seat tonight, and I'll forget. I kind of forgot some things down here. I got so excited. So, January 4th, ladies, you can put this down in your account. January 4th is. Are wild women and guys are, are women are wild, right? Oh, no, like, that you may not know about Mary. And so there's little three blanks I think on your uh, note sheet. You can kind of fill them in there. Uh, but anyway, the first thing I want you to understand about who Mary is. Think about this. Mary was the only person to be present with Jesus at his birth and his death. You ever thought about that? You know, Joseph stayed by Mary's side through that uncertain time of birth, right? They both witnessed Jesus' first breath. Think about that. Jesus' first breath. They all witnessed Jesus. They both witnessed and soon as, And soon after that, who came? The shepherds came, right? The shepherds came to join them and to see uh, what the angels told them about, right? In Luke 2, 15 and 16. But did you realize that Mary was also present as Jesus took his very last breath. For a mother, it had been extremely difficult, right? In fact, the Bible says, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, John 19, 20. 
Mary comforted Jesus as he entered this world. Think about that. And also as he left it to return to the Father. Hmm. She devoted herself to being there for her son through his birth, through his death, and beyond. That's what mamas do, amen? Amen. amen. Mamas are good for that. The second thing you might not know is that Mary knew Old Testament prophecy. You know that? Mary, as young as she was, she knew Old Testament prophecy about the coming Messiah. She knew about it. This young girl showed unequal bravery when she accepted the angel's message by saying this, May it be to me as you have said to the angel in Luke 1, 38. But did she understand what she was agreeing to? That's a great question. In Mary's famous song of praise, you know, she has a song of praise in the scriptures. We find evidence that Mary knew the Old Testament teachings in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. As a Jew, she had been learning about biblical prophecy her entire life. Her song also bears a striking resemblance to Hannah's famous prayer in 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. Now she would become part of the fulfillment of God's ultimate plan. She's part of God's ultimate plan. The Bible says, He has helped His servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for He made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever in Luke 1, 54 and 55. Mary understood the magnitude of her decision to say yes when God chose her. Her knowledge of God's promise to send a Savior for his people shows through the way she worshipped. If you were to read that, uh, Luke 1, 46 through 56, and her song of praise when she went to be with Elizabeth. Wonderful, wonderful. The third thing, you know, Mary was very probably the, had four other children. Think about that. Mary had four other sons after Jesus. Jesus faced constant opposition during his ministry on the earth. During one such time, a group of skeptics mentioned Jesus' family members. Then they scoffed, it says in, in, in Mark 6, 3, he's just a carpenter. The son of Mary and the brother of James, and you know who James was, right? First pastor of the church of Jerusalem, right? And although he wasn't a believer when he was living with Jesus. James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters lived right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe him. From this passage, we discover Jesus had four brothers and one or more sisters, right? And they're not named. We do not know how many sisters he had, but these unbelievers <laughs> used this information against Jesus. They wanted to convince themselves and others that Jesus must have been just another man from Nazareth. What good comes from Nazareth? Remember those words in the scriptures? But their cynicism couldn't distract Jesus from his purpose. Mary shines as a symbol of God's desire to use obscure and, and the ordinary. That's what God does. He takes the weak things of the earth, the weak things of the world, to confound the wisdom of people who think they're so wise. He takes the foolish things the Bible says in the world to confound the wisdom of people who think they're wise and they're not. Right? What encouragement from the simple peasant girl 
who now stands as one of the most loved women of all time. Think about that. An author, one author wrote, he said, though she never traveled any farther than from Palestine to Egypt, and then by donkey, her story still travels to the farthest corners of the earth. We're talking about it this morning here in the good old U.S. of A., right? Mary at home was visited by an angel. This is where we get into Mary. In Luke chapter 1, verse 28, the angel Gabriel comes in and, pro and provides an announcement to her. It says, And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Can you only imagine what Mary thought? Hmm. Remember about the doorway I talked about last week that we made? Hmm. So what I want us to do is we're going to look at uh, the, the characteristics that Mary teaches us. There's three of them, actually, that she teaches us. The first one is Mary teaches us submission of godliness. Submission of godliness. This is the first characteristic that we see here. And we see it in Luke chapter 1 and verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord may have been done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Think about that for a minute. She says, Behold. Right? Mary said, Behold. That's like, like, hey, 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 look, look, look at me, look. Look what's happening. Behold. I want you to see this. Look at what's going on. This is important. I want you to hear me. Behold. And then she calls herself a bond slave. She's a bond slave. A servant. And not just any servant either. Not just any servant. Listen. It's one who gives him or herself up to another's will. Giving themselves up. Not just becoming a slave. Those whose service is used by Christ and extending and advancing the cause of Christ among the world. One who is free, but subjects themselves voluntarily to be a slave to what to the will of the Lord voluntarily. Voluntarily. See, folks, this is true submission. She's not paid for her service. She's not paid for any of this. She voluntarily does it. Of her own free choice, she does it. True submission. And I think right here is where we all need to check our hearts. Are we submitted? Can you say that you are submitted to Christ in that way? Are you submitted to Christ in the way that Mary was submitted to Christ? Submitted to God? Can you say that in your own life today? It's a good challenge. Mary was submitted in totality. In every way. And listen to this. There was no warning. There was no warning for her. No preparation. No timeline. No precedent. There was nothing. <laughs> it was nothing. We're going to see that here later on. Can you see that when God calls you? There's no preparation. When God calls you, He calls you. <coughs> when He calls you to do something, big old boy, big old girl, you pull up your britches. you got to get going. Right? When Jesus speaks, and he tells you to jump, you don't even say how. You just do it, right? You go on and you do it. You do what God says to do. Sometimes it doesn't make sense when God says to do something. That's right. But you just do it anyway. 
I'll give you an example. Sister Denise and I have had the pleasure of being here almost five years. Amen. I praise the Lord for that. Amen. But I want to tell you, that calling on our life for God to move us from our grandkids and our church family, we spent 14 years in our last church as I, I was a student pastor there, ministering to teenagers. And God just called said, it's time. It's time to go. It's time to move. He showed me through all the different actions and the things that took place in preparation down here to come. But listen, when God spoke to my heart, I knew right then. When he spoke to my heart and spoke to Denise's heart, we knew right then God was calling us for a purpose. Amen. And God has a plan. And God still has that plan. The plan is still being fulfilled, right? Amen. In the Lord. And when we answered that call, listen, we had to come up to her. And it was like, we're talking about giving up. My grandkids were in my student ministry. Not too many grandpas can say that. It was hard. It was difficult. Emotionally, in the flesh, it was very difficult to say, we're moving. We won't see you guys like we used to see you. It hurts. It does hurt. But God always makes a way for whatever reason. Amen. When it don't make sense to you, I mean, my ministry was great. My kids were there. That was great. We had a nice home out in the country. It was great. We loved it. But when God says you got to do something, you got to do it. Right. Amen. Amen. Let that sink in. We need to be submitted to the Lord. And being submitted to the Lord encompasses, it means everything. It doesn't mean 90% or 95, it means all 100% and then some. Submit to the Lord. You have to submit to the Lord. Are you submitted to Christ? Did she fully understand what God was doing through this angel's announcement to her? In fact, Mary herself saw it as impossible. How can this be? I'm but a virgin. How can this happen? This is impossible. To the world, there's a lot of things that are impossible. Amen? Amen. But what did the angel say to God? All things are impossible. Amen? Amen. So think about that. She told that angel, let it be according to your Lord, the Lord's will. And here we see God's desire was more important than her own. Her desire was more important than her own. Can you say that? We don't know why she was chosen. It wasn't really explained why she was chosen. But God knew exactly what he was getting. Amen? Because he's God. And he's sovereign. And he knows her heart. He knew her heart. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. God knew her heart and life. Listen, he knows all of our hearts. He knows your life too. Are you dedicated? Are you obedient? Are you reverent to the Lord? You see, Mary did. She was sought out by God, blessed and highly favored. Amen? Amen. He sought her out. She was a woman of faith. She was honoring and obeying the will of her father. Listen, providing a home for God's only son. Think about that. His only son. God's only son to be raised to launch a ministry when he turned 30, right? That will, listen, change the world for all time and forever. If we let it. 
He's changing. Think about Mary nurturing and caring for this little baby Jesus. Think about that. I like the song Mark Lauer wrote about, about uh, when she talks about kissing the face of God. You kiss the face of God. Can you imagine kissing the face of God? From infant to toddler to adolescent through the teenage years to become an adult. Here was Mother Mary, faithful to the very end, following Jesus all the way up down Gotha's Hill to see him crucified. Follow him through his life to a cross. From the, from, listen, from the cross to the grave and the borrowed tomb. You see, Mary teaches us the submission of godliness. We need to be submitted this morning. I got a question. Has God asked you to do something that requires your obedience? Has God asked you to do something that requires your obedience? And I would say, in addition to that, if he hasn't asked you to do something that requires obedience, why not? Amen. I think that's the more important question. Come on. Think about that. If he's not asking you nothing, why not? Something is amiss. Something is amiss. Now that'll dance all over your toes, won't it? It'll dance all over mine. When I will hear that, why not? In obedience. We need to be in obedience to him. Have you done it yet? We must accept and obey. There's no other way, right? And to be happy in Jesus to what? Trust okay. Amen. Mary turns and says, Lord, be according to your words. Whatever you say, Lord, I will do. Whatever you want, Lord, I will do it. We must all put into practice God's perfect will for our lives. And his perfect will for your life is a good will. It's good for you. I'm telling you, it's not. Listen, he doesn't offer slouchy stuff. What God gives you and brings to you is awesome. It's amazing. Amen. Amen. But we got to submit. We got to submit and allow Him to be God over our life, be Lord over our life. That's right. We have to do that. When we don't, we rebel against the Holy God. And you know, He doesn't have to do that, <laughs> He doesn't have to tell you to do something. His will and his plan is going to be done in spite of you. That's right. Whether you jump on board or not. Sometimes that's like a curse to me. Because if you don't do God's will, his will will be accomplished. It's being accomplished. Is God speaking to your heart to obey, to do something, and you're sitting on the sideline procrastinating? You'll procrastinate right to the grave. And then you're going to stand before God and judge him. Hmm. From the cross to the grave. Hmm. Whatever you want, Lord, I will do. Make for sure your words are Mary's words. Whatever your will is, Lord, I will do. Right? Let that be according to your word, God's word. Mary teaches us not only submission, but number two, Look what else she teaches us. Mary teaches us the surprise of godliness. Mm -hmm. 
The surprise of God in this. Man, I know. I know as I live and times as God moves in my life, sometimes he brings in great surprises. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Some of you never thought about him going, wow, okay, this is a surprise. <laughs> right? The adventure of getting to walk with Jesus daily for the rest of your life on earth and in heaven. Look at the surprise that Mary had. Here's the question I know that I have for you. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Most people say, well, he's my Savior. Right? And then they stop right there. But is Jesus your Lord? That's a whole different thing. Is Jesus your Lord? Is he your master? What else is he to you? Is he Lord? Think about Mary. She had the favor of Almighty God residing in her body, literally in her body. The favor of Almighty God was inside of her. Woo! Amazing. The creator and the originator of every single thing that you and I get to see and to experience in this world. That blows my mind. Everything. You see, walking with God doesn't mean you see the complete picture either. Does she see the complete picture? Not entirely, no. She was surprised by this whole thing, perplexed. What Jesus reveals to us is a need-to-know basis. What Jesus gives to us is a need-to-know basis, not to know everything. You know why? Because you can't handle it. That's right. That's right. All that God has, none of us can handle it, right? Hey, right, Sandra? Listen, we can't handle anything. That's why when we hurt, we got to let God handle it. we got to be strong. we got to be courageous. We can't go to the left or the right. We've got to stay close to His Word. Close to Him in prayer. Close to Him. Listen, try Listen, Lord, you need relief? Get close to Jesus. Let Him give you the relief you need. He gives you the strength to get through whatever it is that you may be going through. What Jesus reveals to us is that need to know. The relationship with Mary and Jesus was a surprise. She was startled first by this angel. I would be too. Amen? Amen. Right? And the announcement, total shock and awe for her. Until the, the angel said, don't be afraid. Remember, she was troubled upon the greeting to her in Luke 1, 29. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. There was no warning of it, no preparation of it that she thought. God had a message of his plan for her. He even sent shepherds to affirm the message to us all, including her. He affirms himself. In Luke 2, verses 18 and 19, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, listen to this, treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. In other words, she thought deeply about them. In the recesses of her being, of her heart, she thought very deep. She did not, listen, and she did not divulge any information. She stays quiet. She stays quiet, pretty much. We also must pause and ponder as Mary did about our life. We need to sit back and pause and ponder. Jesus is always there. 
for us to use him. You know that? He's always there. He hears our prayers. He meets our needs and often exceeds our needs. Amen? Amen. Very much so. Like Mary, you and I, we don't have a blueprint for our life. You have a blueprint for your life? What's going to happen tomorrow? Or the next day? No blueprints, right? Amen. But God never fails. He was all, he's always there for all of us. He loves us. When we submit, He hears us, meeting our needs and more. So we learn how Mary taught us about submission and how sometimes it is just a flat-out surprise. Astonished, right? When we see it. This next one, however, is difficult. Very difficult. Number three, Mary teaches us the suffering of Godliness. The suffering of Godliness. How many of you like the word suffering? Not one of us in here. You know, we see the Christmas story. We sing about a silent, holy night. Right? Away in the manger, no crib for a bed. Right? Or the birthday of a king. We do all that. Many songs to usher this cute little baby Jesus into the world. But this cute coming Jesus, as we continue the story, comes to the end of his human life to offer the hope of eternal life for all of us. Amen. It's called the cross. Amen. And he does that for each and every one of us. Combining both stories helps us to see the cost of our sin and our hopelessness today. The wages that we earn by sin, wages of sin is what? <coughs> you earn it. The payment for your sin is death. You earn as a wage. Think about this. From the cradle to the grave. That's our Jesus. The meaning of this life of Jesus should and does rock our world with the truth and hope. Listen, so to have a manger with a cradle is only part, a very small part of the story. A very vital part of the story. But it's a small part of the story, right? It's very small. So what's the reason for the cradle? What's the reason for the cradle? The reason is the cross. Amen. That's the reason for the cradle. That's the reason for the manger. See, the reason is that right there. And really the real reason, I pointed all out to you. That's the reason. It was his love as he looks at you. Didn't that blow your mind? He, he, he knew, he know, he knew all your names on the cross. He knew all your sin, because he took all your sin on the cross two thousand years ago. Every single one of them. Even the ones you haven't committed yet. That's a God that we serve. What a wonderful God that we serve. In fact, as we go further, it's all about the kingdom of God reserved for those chosen believers in God's kingdom that really, listen, completes the story of God's heavenly rule for each and every one of us. You see, Jesus was born to die. That's why he came to earth, to die. To die for all of us. He was born to die for all people. And he did that for you, and he did that for me. What a wonderful time here. Jesus tells us, listen, there are seven statements that Jesus tells us 
while he was hanging on the tree. You probably heard messages about the seven last statements that Jesus made on the tree. Listen to this. In Luke 23, 34, Jesus hanging on the cross. First statement that he makes. But Jesus was saying, Father, what? Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. I think I resemble that remark. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Times of my life, I had no clue what I was doing, lost in the world, didn't know the Word of God, didn't know what was... But even though God puts in us to know, like the Ten Commandments, we know it's wrong to steal, to kill, to dishonor parents. We know that inherently He puts that inside of one. So we don't have to have it on a tablet to look at. Inherently, He puts it in us to know what is the right thing to do. Even when we're lost. But as you read the Word of God, then you really, listen, you dive into what His Word does say to the Lord. And we have to get underneath that Word, that counsel that God gives us to know how we should live our life. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they were casting lots, dividing up His garments among themselves. Listen, for the very souls He died, nailing Him to the truth. Think about that. He suffered. Those that were spitting and hurling insults at him, he suffered and died for them. Whosoever will come is whom Jesus suffered for. All humanity. In Luke 23 and 43, and he said to him, Truly I say to you, number two, today you shall be with me in paradise. What rich words to the criminal thief who's on the cross next to him. A thief owns up to his guilt that Jesus, without hesitation, forgives him. In the midst of their suffering, he's still forgiving. Number four, Matthew 27, 46, the fourth word. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And just so you're aware of it, a thousand years before that, in Psalms 22, the very first verse in Psalms 22 yep. is that very thing that Jesus said on the cross. And I want to encourage you to read the entire chapter of chapter 22. You want to know what Jesus was feeling on the cross? Read that chapter. I believe it gives a great description of what he felt on the cross. It will give you a humbleness. It will humble your heart. When I read chapter 22 of the book of Psalms, it humbles my heart. I'm telling you, it will humble your heart. You know what he felt on the cross? Read that chapter. The very act of giving up his position for you and me. Jesus gives up his position in heaven. He gave up his position for you and for me. His resignation. Think about it. He gave up everything for you and I. Suffering. So that we could be made righteous. By clothing us with his righteousness. In John 19, 28, number 5. After this, Jesus knowing that all things had already been accomplished... To fulfill the scripture said, I am thirsty. Listen, in the midst of suffering,
suffering. He was drawing parts, suffering for all of us. Well, we should have been up there instead of him. Truthfully. The sixth thing he says on the cross in John 19 and 30. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said what? It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. All things are now accomplished for the satisfaction of all of our sin. Our debt has been paid. A substitute took all of our place. He paid your fine and my fine once and for all time. That's love. That's who Jesus is. He is love. The definition of love is Jesus. Every time. The seventh thing. Luke 23, 46. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last breath. Jesus gives up his life and spirit. And he does this in the midst of suffering and aloneness where God would turn his face away from his son. Do not look upon your sin and my sin on his son. Now there's a third word that I kind of left out. It may seem as if it does not fit with the others here. In John 19, 26 through 27, listen, it says, When Jesus then saw his mother, when he was hanging on the cross, remember? And the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, we knew that was John. He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his household. Right? From that moment, John takes Jesus, Mother Mary, into his care. Jesus, for a moment, think about this, his mind leaves the elements of the cross. That we were talking about all the other ones. He leaves the, the elements of the cross with a concern for what? For his mother. For his mom. As he was suffering. In fact, everyone around the cross seemed to be negative about all things that were happening around the cross. Do you realize there were three Marys at the cross? There were three Marys at the cross. Mary, Jesus' mother. Mary, wife, Clopas. Listen, Mary Magdalene. Of course, John the Beloved was there. Three Marys at the cross. After the crucifixion, John takes Mary to his own home. Mary and John are filled with insights about godliness, translated to our culture today and to our very lives as we study this today. Listen, in this Christian story, there are prophetic words that lead us to the crucifixion. You know where the prophecy is written? You think of where the prophecy in the New Testament is written that leads to the crucifixion? Think about this. We're concerned Mary. Remember after the birth of Jesus, when Jewish boys are born, right, they're circumcised on what day? Seventh day to eighth day, actually. Eighth day, right? And the eighth day they're circumcised. But listen, there's 33 days of preparation for these children. And so if you remember the story of Simeon, Mary and Joseph take baby Jesus to the temple, as was the custom, right? 
They take him to be circumcised. They take him up there that, that, that 33 days of purification to be dedicated to the Father. Dedicated to the Lord. And to fulfill, listen, a prayer request of Simeon. That his eyes were not shut and he would not see death until he saw who? The Savior of Messiah. Amen. In fact, in Luke chapter 2, verse 34 and 35, listen to this. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, there's that word again, Behold, look at this, check this out, everybody look, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel. Man, look at the pronouncement to all the people of Israel to hang on the cross. This child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel for a sign to be opposed. Child is going to be opposed. And it was, and it still is. And his sword will pierce even your own soul, Mary, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Think about Mary. Words spoken by Simeon as he fulfilled his duties in the temple. Simeon prophesied that Jesus would be the cause of much sorrow and pain in his own mom's life, in Mary's life. Suffering. Speaking of the sword piercing through her own soul. Prophecy given 30 years prior fulfilled on the cross on that one day as he was beaten back. Can you imagine? Can you be a mother watching your son be beaten better? Merciless. Mer without mercy. Carrying his own cross to God off this hill. Laid down. She was right there for the whole thing. I think the Passion of Christ paints a tremendous picture of that. You go back there and think about that. Think of all the pain that she felt for her son. She understood godly suffering. Mary experienced that fulfilling of Simeon's prophecy and the words pierced through her soul. Just think Jesus from a baby in Bethlehem to a young boy growing up to a carpenter like Joseph becoming a teacher like no other. The mighty God, man of miracles. That's Jesus. He was humble with patience and much grace. Her son suffering right before her very eyes in the midst of the agony and death. Memories of his childhood running through her mind. Can you imagine that? This is Mary. Those hands and feet that she kissed. How many times have you kissed your baby's hands and feet when they were little? Little. I just eat them up. I've heard those statements. I resemble some of that myself. pictures, right? And she's experienced with her eyes wide open and her heart heart just made gut-wrenched. His disciples left him though, scared for their very own lives. They went and hid. His own disciples hid, hiding. His friends were forsaken, but Mary, his mother, was there to the very, very end. You see, God really wants us to learn from all these characters and scriptures we're talking about. To feel what they felt, to see what they saw, to experience the joy of a Savior, but also the agony of this suffering. We need to feel the agony of the suffering. Why? Because you will suffer. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to suffer too. All they went through teaches us and brings us to an experience in a very small way all that the Son of God chose to do for me and you. We can't even come close to what He does. Can't even compare our life to Him. 
We learn from Mary's submissiveness. Amen? That's what we learned today, from Mary's submissiveness. We learned about the surprise of it. Next time you're surprised by what God is doing, don't be surprised. <laughs> right? I'm always thinking about Peter when he was locked up in prison, right? I think about that, and I think about how the angel came in and smoked Peter. I don't know what that felt like, but that was an interesting experience. I bet that was surprising for Peter. And then unlocked all the doors and let him out of prison. And then he goes to the house, and this little girl comes outside, sees Peter at the gate, and she runs back in, right? Think about this. She runs back in and says, guess who's out at the gate? That's not right. Peter comes in. They were so amazed. That's exactly what they were praying for. Why were they amazed? <laughs> Just like we are in our humanness. We get amazed. Submission, surprise. Then we learn also the suffering that she endured and that he endured. This is part of life, our life as well as his. Just like Jesus suffered, Mary also suffered. And we also, too, will suffer, too. Not just like Jesus. Jesus suffered ultimately like none of us will ever experience. One thing that's also vitally important to know, and this is very important to know, is that Mary needed for Jesus to be her Savior. That's right. Contrary to what other people might say, the Word of God teaches us that Mary, just like you and I, needed to know Jesus as her Savior. Amen. Think about this. In Luke 1, 46 and 47, Luke 41, 46 says, And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit, my spirit has rejoiced in what? God my Savior. Amen? He must, listen, he must be born in all of our heart, all of us. He comes in from the outside, from the cross. Our justification from the outside is on the cross. He sheds his blood for you and for me. So it leads me to a final question. Have you invited Jesus to come into your heart today? To take up his residency with you? I want you to think about this. The centrality of Jesus Christ. He is central to everything. In Hills Church, he's central to everything here. He's, he should be central to you. He's central to everything we do ministry-wise. Everything we're about, the centrality of who Jesus is, is so important for us to make sure he is central. He is centered in your heart, in your life. Everything that you do is because of Jesus. He, that your, your life is centered on Jesus. Jesus is the center of your life. He's sitting on the chair of your heart. And you're making every decision that goes through him. It has to go through him. Everything that you do has to go through Jesus. Every day. That's right. Every single day. Every day when you get up. It's important to visit Jesus. See, I have a master key to this church. Right? This master key grants me access. Listen, my key can work in any law. It's a master key. In fact, the staff person who works here at the church may have a key of their own to their own office, which they do. Or even to the section of the building that their office is in. But they are limited in which doors they can open. But I have a master key. <laughs> right? Think about this. They are limited, right? I can go 
go anywhere in the church that I want to go. A lot of us are not getting everywhere we need to go because we don't have a master key. We've got keys for certain rooms in our life. I want you to think about this. We come to church. We hear a sermon. We receive a truth. So we have a key for a certain room in our Christian lives. We must understand, however, that the key to the Christian life for the church of Jesus Christ is, in fact, Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the key. The mystery of godliness is in the good news of who Jesus is and who Jesus is in your life. Preach it, brother. Let Jesus be not just your Savior. Let him be the Lord. Let him be the master key of your life. Yeah. All of us, every single day. Man, some of us in a room in a church longer than I've been alive. Some of us in here. I think about that as a pastor. Dear young fellow, what do you know? I've been in church for 70 years. Easy. 60 years. Right now, I'm thinking about it. Are you still learning? Are you still studying? Are you still diving deep into the Word? I'm still learning. I'm still studying. I'm still diving into the depths of God's Word. Sometimes we've got to quit listening to YouTubes. We've got to quit listening to all the garbage and theories that are out there and conspiracies that are out there. You've got to stop listening to that junk. It's true. That's not true. The only truth you need to know about, listen, and you need to, you need to throw all that other stuff in the garbage. This is the only truth you need to hear. Because it's true. It's real truth. It's absolute truth. Perfect truth. Don't pay attention to those YouTube videos of people talking about stuff unless they're expounding the Word of God and they're expounding it in the right context and the right truth. I see so many times about our Facebook stuff. I see, I see people singing and doing things. Man, someone will sit in a pew, <coughs> give praise to God, and not be submitted to the authority of God. Submission, and you submit. You know Jesus, your Savior. I know now you're going. I'm going to watch what's going on. Put the floor seat. That's all right. That's good. I need to see. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's right. I need to see. It's like you need to see what I put on here. Right? We've got to hold each other accountable, right? That's right, brother. But listen, right. you know who your ultimate accountability partner is? Amen. The one that you can't necessarily you can't see. But listen, just like the wind blows and affects the trees, listen, this thing Jesus comes in our heart and affects us. Right? Amen. He's there. You know it. Some of you out there know it right now. Some of you don't know Jesus says. But you know he's there because right now he's squeezing your heart. Like he's under a pressure and a vice. And he'll squeeze your heart. And you know why? It's the Holy Spirit squeezing your heart. He wants you to get right with God and come clean and give your life to him. Amen. Amen. That's what Jesus is doing. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So don't leave here and not give your life to Jesus. It's vital that you do that. It's life and death that you would do that this morning. Let Jesus 
to your Savior. And for you Christians out here, you better make sure he's your Lord, too. My pastor said in North Carolina, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. That's tough, isn't it? That's why Jesus told us to count the cost of being saved. Who's right. counting the cost? That's why the highway to heaven is just a little, little road, a little pathway. One person at a time goes through. But the highway that leads to destruction is what? Why? It's like driving through Atlanta. A gazillion lanes. And are they going to the speed limit? No. And if you do the speed limit, you're going to get hit. I mean, it's crazy. I, I'm in there. I know. I try to avoid that. I try to go like 2 in the morning. Still, it's traffic. But listen, what I'm saying to you is the gospel truth. There will be many people get to heaven and say, Lord, I did all these things in your wonderful name. And he's going to turn a lot of people and say, I never knew you. He said, get away from me, from iniquity. I never knew you. So make for sure. You need to check and see that you're saved every single day. Make that a practice. Make sure you're in your salvation. You know that you know that you know that you're saved. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming to earth to be a man like all of us. I thank you, Lord, for Joseph, whom you selected to be the father that still walks with you.
heaven. I thank you for your power and your word. Help us to walk in your perfect will every single day. We love you. And Lord, in our life, be a refreshing smell in your nostrils, Father, Lord. And when we die and we come into heaven, we say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. We thank you for this day in Jesus' name.